I've got cancer. We lost the baby. My dad said I'd never make it. I feel so hopeless. My wife just left my kids. I can't win. The doctor says there's no cure. I just want out. Patty JFC, glad you are here. Let me welcome all of our campuses, not just here, Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, and unofficially, but officially, next week, Lakewood Campus. The only reason I laugh is that my staff said, you're not supposed to say anything, but I'm the pastor, and I can say whatever I want to say. Here's, uh, it'll open officially uh, Mother's Day, May the 13th, um, but... We'll begin practicing over there, and the group will be meeting over there. And so if you are planning on attending, we do want to encourage you. You can begin to make that shift over there and be a part of that. On your seat, you'll find the notes for today. It's a brand new series called Pitfalls. In just a moment, we're going to jump into it. I also uh, have an announcement that goes along with this that, that, that I'm excited about for all of our campuses. Uh, some of our positions are positions that end up supporting each of our campuses, and two of those positions uh, are as follows, our campus pastors, and then um, our pastor that handles all of our business and finance at the church. Pastor Evan was handling all of our business and finance here at JFC. We hired Evan with the thought and with the idea, the plan, that he was going to be our next campus pastor. So we've actually been very on purpose and uh, in tune with that, but we, uh, we said to him, Evan, if you can help us by stepping into this position, doing the finances for us, and, uh, and allow yourself the chance for us to put this campus together. Then we'll move you into it as the door opens. Then we went to our children's pastor here. And here's our, our hope is we don't try to, to go out and raid somebody else's church in order to bring in talent. We really feel like what God wants us to do is look right here inside of our house first. And if we can find amongst our own members, people that can serve in ministry, then we make the, the opportunity to train them and to develop them and to commit to them. We've just found that over the long term, the people that we end up having with us over the long term are people that really get the vision, who chose us before we chose them, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So we, uh, in, in, in the practice of moving Evan from the finance department into the campus pastor position, we asked our children's pastor at this campus, uh, Todd and Becca's story. Todd's um, got a degree in, um, in business and in finance and was a teacher, a math teacher. How many of you think that's a good idea for a business? Yeah, so we, we had approached Todd. Todd has done a phenomenal job as a children's pastor, but Todd had come to us and said, if there ever is an opportunity for anything else to open up, uh, would you consider me? So we had approached Todd when this chance came up. We said, Todd, we think it's a really good fit for you. Would you be interested in doing it? Todd's actually been, since the first of the year, in this position. We've been moving uh, in this and giving him the chance to, to really stretch his legs and to find out. Todd's done a phenomenal job. So I uh, just, just want to make that announcement publicly that Evan, beginning next week, will no longer be here on a regular basis. Um, but Pastor Todd will be stepping into his place. So anybody that has any questions regarding finances, what we do, how we do it, all of that, you would direct those questions to Todd, Todd at JFC. Dot org. All right, enough of those things. Our series is called Pitfalls, and uh, here's what I put inside of your notes. Find it right there. Pits are a part of life, yes or no? Yep. 
You don't have to like it. You do not need to be excited about it. Uh, Whether you agree with me or not is not predicated on whether or not you're going to have a pitfall in your life. Pits just simply are a part of life. Now, I put down a few thoughts, uh, a few ideas in my notes that are not in your notes. Uh, here, Here they are. Pits may be a part of life, but you don't have to stay in a pit. Do you agree with that? Okay, three things. Number one, the devil cannot make you stay in a pit. Don't give him more credit than what he deserves. At the same time, let me balance that or counterbalance it by saying this. The devil may not be able to make you stay in a pit, but God can't make you get out of one either. To get out of it, you've got to choose to do so. And if that is true, there is only one way out. Tell me what it is. Up. You don't go down. You don't go sideways. You can't stay there. The only way out is up. You have to decide enough is enough. I phrased it this way. A pit is an early grave that the enemy has dug for you. A pit is an early grave that the enemy has dug for you. Therefore, don't stay there. A few weeks ago, in our Easter series, the grave, the garden, the grave, and the glory, on that three-week series, the second one on the grave, I talked about the idea of dying to yourself, that some things are only possible on the other side of death. And I talked about the call of God for all believers. Listen to me, salvation is absolutely free. But discipleship, true discipleship, will cost you everything. Now, that's not the most popular message, and it's not the one being preached in many churches today. It's easier to tell people, come to Jesus, and he'll give you everything that you want. And that is not the truth. Come to Jesus, and he will give you life. There's no question about that. But if you decide to serve him, lordship requires that you bow your knee, and that you make him the lord of your life, which means that there is only room for one person in the lordship place in your life. Two people can't be in that place. I was taught this years ago. When it comes to a head, there cannot be two of them. Anything with more than one head is a freak or a monster. Yes or no? So in your life, there can only be room for one. It has to be Jesus. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then you're the Lord of your life. And if you're the Lord of your life, I bet you're not the happiest person in the world. I bet you pursue happiness, but I bet you're not the happiest person in the world. So just made the statement that the truth of the matter is... When it comes to the idea of serving him, there will be times in your life where you are called to die to yourself during that series on the grave, making the statement that some life is only possible on the other side of death. Here's what I said. We had little cards, if you remember, if you were here during that time. One side of the card said, not my will, what I want. The other side said, your will, what you want. How many remember that right there? I said, during our response time, here's what we want to do. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, are there areas in our life where God is telling us, surrender this, give this up, give it to me, die to yourself. And I asked you, would you take the time and write it down? We spent that first song in reflection. The second one with him was spent in taking them and laying them on the altar, pinning them to the cross. We had over 2,000 responses that weekend. 2,000 responses. So I asked the pastors then, would you take those cards and would you write down, would you give me percentages, would you give me what the top things that God was speaking to people about? Here they were, the top five. Not my will, but your will be done. Top five, number one, anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. God dealing with people over anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. You agree with me that unforgiveness can be a lordship issue in a person's life. You can decide to hold on to something. You can decide to hate somebody. You, you, in fact, if you, if you really are honest, the truth of the matter is, when you do those things, initially, it can feel good to hate. The problem with hate is that it's poison. Long-term, take poison. It'll kill you. 
It may feel good initially, it may satisfy initially, but long term becomes a lordship issue. So we ask people, what is it that God is saying, not my will, but your will to? Number one response was anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Number two was fear, doubt, and worry. Do you agree with me that that is a lordship issue? When you're worrying, you're not trusting him. When you're worrying, you're basically saying, I need to take control and care of myself. I can't trust you with it. I can't turn it over to you. Number three was control. Number four was pride and selfishness. And number five was addiction. How about that? 2,000 responses. The fifth one was addiction, including money, lust, alcohol, and drugs. It's pretty significant. You agree? I put this in my notes. Pits can become familiar and therefore comfortable. That's the problem. Pits become familiar and therefore comfortable. Familiar things turn into things that were, even when they're twisted and wrong, they are things that we become comfortable with. That's why it's not enough just to stand up and say, okay, snap your fingers, get out of a pit. I make the statement that the enemy can't keep you in one, but that God can't make you get out of one. You've got to decide enough is enough. But pits can become familiar and therefore they're very comfortable to us. This is not in your notes, it's in my notes. If you've got a pen, this is, get a pen. How about that? Get a pen. When I say get a pen, normally we lean over and we get a pen. There's a pen. Your wife's purse. If you're Pastor DeMay, guarantee you have one in your back pocket. I've known Dan for 20 years, he's never without a pen. Oftentimes without money, but never without a pen. His wife says, amen. Okay, if you've got a pen, write down three ways you know you're in a pit. Self-diagnosis, this is very easy. Three ways you know you're in a pit. It's not in your notes. I wrote it down. Number one, you feel stuck. When you're in a pit, you feel stuck. Number two, you feel powerless. Male or female, regardless of your age, how you know you're in a pit, you will feel stuck. Notice the words, feel. Feelings can be reality, but they're not necessarily reality. Do you agree with that? What we feel is not necessarily true. One of the things we have to learn to grow in Christ is that we don't let our feelings rule our lives. We let truth rule our lives. Feelings will follow what you give your heart to. If you give your heart to all the emotions, all the lies, all the things, your feelings will follow. If you give your heart to truth... Your feelings can follow truth. Is it possible? I know some of you are looking at me like, that's impossible. It is totally possible. It's totally possible. You feel stuck. You feel powerless. How about this? You feel vulnerable. You're in a pit. You will feel stuck. You will feel powerless. You will feel vulnerable. Three things about a pit. The devil can't make you stay there. God can't make you leave it. You have to decide it's enough. And the only way up or the only way out is up. I put in your notes. I'm going to talk right now everything you ever wanted to know about a pit and then some. Let me give you a pit defined from the dictionary. A hole, a depression. Say it again, a depression. Is it possible that depression is a pit for a person? I would say in 26 years of full-time ministry, one of the most difficult things to deal with is a person in depression. What I just said about feelings absolutely can camp on this. 
Feelings can so direct a person that it leads to depression. And it can be true or not true, but regardless, that's how the person feels. It's a place of captivity, a prison or a trap. Can I throw this out? Three ways into a pit. Tonight's message is broad-based. Tonight's message is wide and encompassing. Next week, we'll go more specific. By the end of it, we'll get down to the nitty-gritty. But at the beginning, it is totally to capture everybody who walks in the door. Everyone who will listen. At all campuses, and regardless if they hear it, walking on a beach, sitting in their car, or live tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, does not matter. It's designed specifically to capture everyone's heart. Three ways into a pit. You can tell me if it's true or not. Number one, you're pushed in. Here's what's remarkable about being pushed into a pit. It's not at your hands, it's at somebody else's hands. That's scary. Genesis 37.20 talks about a remarkable person named Joseph. Joseph had many brothers and his brothers hated him because he was a dreamer. Joseph's problem is he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. His problem was not his dreams, and his problem was not that he was special. His problem was he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. So he would tell his brothers what his dreams were. And his dreams went something like this. I saw all of these bundles of grain bowing down to the moon. I'm the moon, and you're the bundles of grain. How many of you would be excited if your youngest brother told you that was a prophetic dream from God. I mean, you'd be like, give me another one. That's awesome. Which bundle of grain was I? That little scrawny one over there? Which one? (laughs) He would share things. They were from God, but they were for him. Not everything God tells you is for everybody. So he would tell his dreams and it made his brothers mad and here's what they decided to do. In Genesis 37, 20, they said, look, here comes the dreamer. It's how it starts. Let's kill him and throw him in a pit. It's pretty straight up. Can I say this is true? There is evil in the world, yes or no? There is evil in the world. It's a fallen world. It's not a perfect world. There is evil and there are evil people and you do have an enemy and his goal is to throw you in a pit. Here's what I have learned in my life. I will talk to anyone but I will only give unfettered access to my life selectively. I judge first whether someone is my friend or my enemy. If they are my enemy, I do not give unfettered access to my life because you will end up in a pit. Yes or no? It is possible for someone to push you in a pit. Psalms 119.61, David wrote these words, The wicked hemmed me in. Does this sound like a pit? The wicked hemmed me in. There was no way out, but not for a minute did I forget your plan for me. I love that. If you're in a pit, here's God's plan. You need to come out. The devil can't keep you in a pit. God can't make you get out of a pit. You have to decide enough is enough. And the only way out is up. Hmm. Here's a thought. It's not in your notes, it's in mine. Pits are so poorly lit that you cannot see well. 
And when you can't see out, you look in. Follow me. And when you spend your time looking in, yikes, yes or no. Anybody who only dwells on everything that's wrong and the pit that they're in, if that's all, pits are so poorly lit that you cannot see well, when you cannot see out, you look in, and when all you do is look inside, if you spend all of your time looking at what, what's wrong, what is your view then of the world? What's wrong? I've learned this. Every pastor, listen to this. Hope and vision are natural when you come out of a pit. The first thing you lose in a pit is hope and vision. When you come out, the very first thing that will happen, hope and vision will be immediately restored to you. How do you know you've come out of it? You will have hope and you will have a vision. No one has to give it to you. No one has to pray for you. No one has to say anything. It is the natural conclusion to coming out of a pit. How do you know you're in a pit? You will not have hope and you will lose all vision. It is poorly lit and when we can't see out, we look in. Three ways into a pit, you're pushed in. Number two, you fall in. Ever been there? Romans 7, 16, the Apostle Paul writes, What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Now stop, be honest. Have you ever lived that Christian life? Honest people answer me right now. Religious people, just do whatever you do. Judge, judge. But here's what I want to talk to right now. <laughs> Honest people, have you, do, you, do you love God and ever find a behavior in your life inconsistent with the Bible? Yes. You ever get mad at yourself yes. for self-inflicted things? I put down, here's a thought. Have you ever had a plan that backfired on you? A business, an investment, a relationship? Yes or no? I've got a friend, when I was an associate pastor in northern Colorado, guy came to me one time, and uh, he worked at Kodak, and he, was, he, he had a chance to take early retirement, this is what he said to me, I've got this big sum of money, and I want to invest in a business, what do you think? And I said, I know nothing about business or investment. He said, so don't ask me. But he tells me what his investment is. He said, I'm going to invest in these vending machines that sell disposable cameras. He worked at Kodak. It was a great, he showed it to me. Man, it was really a smart product. But it was coming out right at the time when everything was moving to digital photography. Guy took his life savings and his early retirement and he bought into all these machines and he placed them all around the town and everything was going to digital and he lost all of his money. It's a terrible story. The man still has not, he had to go back to work. He's working well into his retirement. Why? Because he had a plan backfire on. It is possible to not be pushed into one, but to fall into one, yes or no? I put next to that, here's an interesting one. I've got a relative who more than 20 years ago was invited to invest in Starbucks, and this is what he said, no one will ever pay more than $2 for a cup of coffee. That's what he said. No one will ever pay more than $2 for a cup of coffee. 
I don't think he has ever paid more than $2 for a cup of coffee because he doesn't have that much money. I know a woman in this church who a man deceived her into marriage. He was a con man. The deception went this way. He took her money, and God is my witness, he tried to kill her. He tried to poison her. He took a life insurance policy out on her life that she did not know about. And he was feeding her poison. And she kept going to the hospital over and over, and nobody could figure it out. And finally, a doctor caught it. And when it was exposed, the police got involved, and this guy had done this multiple times to multiple women. Psalm 715 says, He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. Sometimes our best efforts backfire on us. Is it possible? Let me give you the last one. Three ways into a pit. Pushed in, fall in. How about this one? Jump in. I know none of you have ever done it, but do you know somebody who's done it? Second Samuel 11.2 is a really interesting story about David and Bathsheba. David was the king of all Israel, successful, had everything that he could want. The Bible says at the time when kings go out to war, David remained behind in Jerusalem. Couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, walking on his roof, saw a woman naked bathing. He inquired about her. Because he was the king, he could have whatever he wanted to. And his attendant said, isn't that Bathsheba? And he sent for her. The Bible says that he slept with her and she became pregnant. And I've told the story multiple times. He ends up committing murder. Yes or no, that's a pit that he jumped into. God had nothing to do with it. He did it to himself. Here's a thought. Self-inflicted pits are probably the hardest ones because when you do your own debt, when you say the wrong words, when you act in rebellion, like credit cards, ever been there? An affair. Here's what the enemy lies to you. You did this to yourself. You cannot ask God for help. Now he's got you twice. He got you to jump. And now he's keeping you from getting out. Yes or no? It's deceptive and it's ugly. And the person who is deceived that way... Listen, when a person is deceived... Talking to a person, exposing them to the scripture is not enough to get them to see. When they are deceived, there is a veil over their intellect. So arguing with a person is not enough to convince the intellect. The spirit of God must penetrate the intellect in order to get them to see. You would think standing up here and saying as directly as I'm saying, what gets you into a pit would be enough to cause somebody to go, that stinks, how do I get out? Or I see myself in that or I know how that works. But oftentimes, we may see a reflection, but none able to move out of it because the devil has us so deceived. He cannot keep you in a pit. God can't make you get out of a pit, but you can hear the truth tonight and allow yourself to look up. Yes or no? Let me give you two ways out of a pit. The first one is to climb. Proverbs 6, 2, and 3. If you have been trapped by what you said, Rich, let me ask the question, just because you're my friend. It's not personal. Just need an ally right now. It's gotten very quiet and hot in here. (laughs) 
David writes, if you've ever been trapped by what you said, has that ever happened to you? Yes. Yes. If you are married and you don't say that happened to you, you are either married 24 hours or lying. If you've ever been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go, humble yourself, press your plea with your neighbor. What does that mean? If you have messed up, go and beg forgiveness. Do whatever it takes, but get out of the pit. Don't stay in the pit any longer. The devil can't make you stay. God can't make you get out, but you can change your mind. You can say enough. I don't want this anymore. And what does the Bible say to do? Begin to climb. Say this is wrong. Quit digging deeper. Quit going sideways. How about this? Quit accommodating your life to put up with a pit. That may be the one more than anything else traps a believer. People tend to alter their lifestyle to accommodate the pit that they're in, believing that there's no way out. Stop. Stop. Jesus died to set you free. That is not just spiritual. It is physical too. Yes or no? Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe it, I can't help you. Climb out. The other way out of a pit is to be delivered. If you have to choose, how many of you would pick delivery every time? Yes, of course. (laughs) Psalms 41 and 2, David wrote this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible... Say it again, out of a horrible, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. He is a deliverer. Never forget that. One of the names of God is deliverer. But at 48, I know for a fact, sometimes his delivery does not look like we think it should. When I say delivery, here's what we think. I messed up. I put my hands up. God plucks me out. Yes? I would love for it to wait. And sometimes it does work exactly that way. Here's the problem with that. When he delivers you like that every time, you never learn not to jump back in a pit. Let me have fun since I'm here. When all you expect is a bailout, then you never learn the discipline that doesn't always require a bailout. When all your prayers are focused on a bailout, then you are constantly, every day, living from miracle to miracle to miracle. Yes, but we're charismatic. It's okay. No, it's not okay. You are a believer. You are supposed to grow up, and here's what it's supposed to look like. You are supposed to bow your knee to his lordship so you don't need a miracle every day. You're supposed to live in abundant life, not be praying, God, pluck me out of a miry pit. Is it okay to pray that? Yes. But you shouldn't live every day needing a miracle. Live with wisdom. Two ways to learn anything. Mentors, mistakes. Which one do you think is easier? And what is a mentor sharing? Their mistakes. True or not? And then you say that, and people, instead of hearing truth, get offended. Oh, you mean pastor. (laughs) Mean. Do not build to accommodate a pit any longer. 
Do not build to accommodate a pit any longer, which means your thinking may need to change. Gosh, I'd love to just sit and camp there. Here is what's more important. Do not die in a pit. Your legacy is not your pit. Your legacy needs to be, I got out of the pit. Your legacy is not your mistake. Your legacy is not your sin. Your legacy is not failure. Your legacy is not what the enemy has plotted and planned for you. Your legacy needs to be that when you stumbled seven times, seven times you got back up. That when you made a mistake, you went to God. That when you blew it, God was merciful to you. Hmm. A pit is an early grave that the enemy has just dug for you. Don't die before you're dead. Should I say it again slow? Don't die before you're dead. If he dug you an early grave, don't lay there. Don't surrender. Don't give up. Don't quit. That may be the shortest message I've ever taught. And I may have said more in that than ever before. What would God have us do with that message? What do you think He would have you do? Get out of the pit! Genius! Who said yes? Couldn't see you sitting back there. You were like in a pit. I think God just gives us a chance right now. If you want out, you've got to look up. Your hope is not man. Your hope is not church. Your hope is not your own natural wisdom. Your hope is not being sick of it either. Because if that was enough, how many of you would be out of it by now? Your hope is God. Your hope is to say to Him, I'm looking to you. I'm looking up. I come to you. He inclined his ear to me. He heard my cry. He rescued me out of a pit. He set my feet on the solid rock. If everything around you is sinking sand, like the old song goes, on Christ's solid rock, you better stand. You better stand. What a good opportunity to practice this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we approach the throne with boldness right now. Church, please listen to me. There is plenty of time for us to do diligence right now. There is plenty of time to settle a lordship issue. Plenty of time. Father, we approach the throne room to obtain grace and mercy right now. Here's what Jesus said. When you're in need, boldly approach the Father's throne to obtain grace and mercy. I'm going to ask very boldly right now. No one's looking at you. No one's judging you. This isn't for public consumption. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you sign anything. I want right now to facilitate something between you and God. 
If you need God's grace and mercy, you're in a pit. And I don't care how you got there. You could have fallen in. You could have jumped in. You could have been pushed in. But if you say, I boldly need God to rescue me, I want you to put your hand straight up right now. I need you to be merciful to me. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is, it could be a relationship. It could be your finances. It could be whatever. Whatever. Business does not matter right now. All of our campuses... Castle Rock, keep them up there for a minute. Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch. If you're sitting in your car right now listening to this and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, put your hand up. Even if people look at you, put it up. Be bold right now. Be bold. Heaven is attracted to boldness. Something about being bold gets his attention. I'm going to ask one more time. Pastor, pray for me. I am stuck. I am vulnerable. I need out. I need God's help. All campuses right now, just respond. Father, with great boldness, I proclaim liberty to the captive. That pit is not their undoing, that pit is actually going to be used for promotion. That place right now that seemed to be a grave with the ends knocked out of it, a rut, I'm asking right now, in Christ's name, that you reach down and rescue us. And God, whether you choose to pluck us out of it, or whether you choose right now to give us wisdom to climb our way out of it, whatever you choose to do right now, We say yes to you. God, we're going to worship you like we're out of a pit. We're going to worship you because you're able to get us out of a pit. We're going to worship you because in all things you tell us to give you praise. God, we're not going to surrender. The enemy cannot make us stay. God can't make us get out, but we can choose right now. God, help me. Help me. Help me. every situation for those of you right now who are asking and you hear the condemnation of the enemy he tells you you did it to yourself how dare you ask God you chose this and you knew what you were doing here's what he's lying to you you knew what you were doing how dare you ask God for help that is a lie how powerful is a lie only as powerful as you believe it if you'll call it out right now as a lie, it will lose its grip in your life. If you call it out right now, Highlands Ranch, call it out. Castle Rock, call it out. Call it out. Lone Tree, call it out. It's a lie. It's a lie. Call it out. No more. No more. No more. Here's what I impart to you. Mercy. Here's what I speak over you. Forgiveness and grace. Here's what I speak over you right now. God is a restorer. Here's what I give to you tonight. That God is faithful even when we're not faithful because he'll never deny himself. 
you can say to the enemy when he tells you, you did it. You can tell him, yes, I did it, but God is still merciful. Christ is greater than your sin. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you've clearly identified the person that pushed you in. Would you give God the lordship issue? Will you give that person to him? Will you give that anger to him? Will you give the right to be vindicated to him? Will you give judgment to him? Will you give him the lordship right now? Will you give him the right to get even? Maybe you just fell in. Maybe you're not even sure how you got there. Maybe you're mad at yourself and mad at the world. Maybe you've quit. Are you stuck? If you chose to go that way, have you stopped growing? Has it taken over your life? Has anything I said tonight made sense to you and you say, I see it and I need out of it? Proclaim over you right now truth. I proclaim over you right now wisdom. I proclaim over you right now healing. Healing of what's damaged and healing of what's missing. I ask that God right now show you his mercy like you've never known it before. If anything I just said is yours, all I want you to do right now is just say yes. It's out loud. Just say yes. Okay? Yes. Yes, it's done. I invite you to stand to your feet. As we close this service out with worship right now, all of our worship leaders take this portion of our service and lead us to the throne room of God. Here's what I want you to do. Engage with Him. As you take communion, use the crosses, use our altars, seek out prayer or just worship in your seat I truly believe it would be the Lord's will that even in your pit you worship him because Paul said in all things give thanks that means even when you hurt even through discouragement even when you don't understand sometimes we do it just to be obedient because in the obedience is the way out look up look up quit looking in look up look up Worship Him right now. And as you feel the Holy Spirit lead you, go ahead and engage God. Use communion. Use all the elements that we offer. Right now, receive from the Holy Spirit.